Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken here. We're back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio. I'm very excited to introduce you to John Bacuzzi Jr., who is the author of The Art of of seducing your customers. He is also the president of ISG Global Research, and that is a global research and advisory firm and working with incredible brands, well-known brands that you and I have. We're going to talk about a few of those brands in today's discussion. We're going to talk about his book, and you're going to learn all about what the seduce model is. But before we get into the interview, just a quick announcement. If you have an amazing customer service or experience story that you'd like to share or you have a question you want me to answer, please reach out to me on any of the social media channels because I am pretty much everywhere. And if it is a question, use the hashtag AskShep. I will either answer it right there in the social channel, I'll answer it on this show, I'll answer it in my newsletter, which is the Shepherd Letter, or you can maybe get the answers on my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home. And that can be found on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Prime. And you can even go to beamazing.tv because that's the landing page where you can catch all of the episodes and enjoy them. I'm excited about the show and I hope you are too. But right now, I'm super excited about you getting to learn from John. John, welcome to the show. Chef, thank you so much for having me today. Well, I remember you and I first met and we've tried to figure it out. It was well over 10 years ago, New York City. I don't remember how we started hanging out and talking, but it was at a cocktail reception after a full day program. I had uh, done a short speech and moderated a panel. Uh, I can't remember if you were there representing a company uh, that was on the program or not, but you and I go to this fancy restaurant and you bought me dinner. And I thought to myself, one day I'm going to pay you back. And you call me up and said, hey, let's talk about the art of seducing your customers. And I said, I just love the title. And here we are today. And uh, I'm a, I, this is a small way of saying thanks because I've just followed what you've been doing over the years. And, and this is a great book. I'll mention again, The Art of Seducing Your Customers, which is what we're going to talk about today. Well, Chef, thank you. Uh, look, 10 years, and this has got a little interest on it for buying you dinner. So this is exciting. Thanks for having <laughs> me on the show. And I, I mentioned to you earlier, I remember what I had for dinner that night. I'd never had skate, which I guess is kind of like a... Um, I, can, I don't know what the, the term would be, but one of those uh, like a stingray, a stingray, a stingray. It was delicious. And so uh, thank you for introducing me to skate. All right. So this, well, first of all, what are you doing now today? Because I know back then you were with a brand and you've kind of done some different things since then. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, Shep, um, I'm actually the president uh, at ISG Research full time. Mm -hmm. um, they're based out of uh, Stanford, Connecticut. It's a global research and advisory firm, um, and uh, we mostly focus on on technology service providers and helping uh, them work with enterprise clients like Carnival or Delta. And so customer experience fits in very nicely kind of with that whole theme because technology is going to have a huge impact here as we go forward with experience, right? Oh, yeah. Now, I want to get into the book in just a moment, but why did you write the book? And by the way, I love the title, The Art of Seducing Your Customers. I think a while back, maybe about a year or so ago, you may have sent some emails out to people uh, like myself who are in the world of, of customer service and experience asking what we thought of the title. 
And I love the title. I think customers want to be seduced. Yeah, you know, Shep, and it's funny because um, a little over, it'll be five years this February, I did a TED Talk. It was on my bucket list. Mm -hmm. And I did a TED Talk at Bryant University. Um, and the title of the title of that TED talk was I was seduced by exceptional customer experience or service. And um, my wife came up with that title. And I said, Cynthia, I don't think I can pull this off. I mean, I don't know if that's going to be appropriate. You know, it's a little risque. She goes, John, trust me, that's the right title. The artist, you know, I was seduced by exceptional customer service. So we did it. I did the TED talk. It was a great experience. And here we are five years later, and Shep, it's the number one talk across several categories of experience videos and has almost 800,000 views. Wow. Congratulations. So uh, tell everybody, what was the company that seduced you? Yeah. So uh, so this is going back 27 years, uh, and I've always been intrigued by experience. Most of us probably are. What's our work experience like? What's our customer experience like What's with a brand? And 27, 28 years ago, I was working in New York City, just off of Fifth Avenue, and I had to get a new pair of frames, you know, new pair of glasses. And so, you know, there wasn't Google, there wasn't search engines 27 years ago, you know, so you went downstairs, I took the elevator downstairs, took a left-hand turn out of the office, took another left turn, and ended up 1010 Optics, uh, a small optic center. And from the moment I walked in to the moment I left, this woman, Ruth, the owner of the store, completely seduced me with the experience. She took care of me. She picked out these frames. And I talk about it in the book in detail. But the fun part about that story is, Shep, and you can see glasses if you, if you see me today, is they're, they're bright blue, is she put on this very provocative pair of glasses, just really bold and bright. And I said, Ruth, I don't think I could pull these off. And I kind of feel, frankly, uncomfortable. She goes, John, trust me, people are going to love it. Well, when I walked out of the store and went back to my office, at the corner, before I went back in, a woman stopped me and she said, I love those frames. Now, the funny part is, Shep, I thought Ruth had set somebody up at the corner to kind of give me that compliment. But five compliments later that same day, I knew she had changed my life and it was through an experience. And so from that point on, I tried to think about how I would impact experiences regardless of what firm I was working for. Yeah. Well, just the other day, uh, actually, it was Tuesday of this week. Uh, now, we're recording this uh, a few weeks in front of when the episode airs. And by the way, if you're listening to this episode, the day it comes out, go to Amazon today and purchase The Art of Seducing Your Customers because it comes out the week of this podcast being released. And if, if you're listening to it six months or even a year from now, you can still get the book. All right. That's enough of a plug. But just on Tuesday, I won't tell you the name of the company, but their initials are Warby Parker. Oh, there you go. So, and what's fun about that store is the fact that I went and I bought two sets of frames. There was a gentleman there that I guess is a frame expert and said, try these. And it was a big, bold frame. My wife was with me and she said, well, that's kind of really in fashion. And I'm looking and I go, oh, I don't know. I, I kind of wish now that maybe he pushed me to buy these big, bold frames. But regardless, here's what's cool about Warby Parker. You and I mentioned and talked about who was on the program that we visited. And, and it was uh, Stella, Stella Service, Stella uh, Select or something like that, uh, Jordy Lesser's company. Uh, and it was all about 
uh, as packages get shipped to you and you open them up, what's the experience like? And they were rating that for all kinds of retailers. Well, Warby Parker, and you you uh, just told me this. I didn't remember. It was just barely a startup at the time. Yeah. And and that was a person that was on the panel that I was doing. I was moderating. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. I mean, how the world goes around. But that's an incredible unboxing experience, you know, and and that whole experience of convenience. Right. And we can talk about friction. It's even one of the chapters. But that's incredible. The ease at which you were able to buy a pair of frames. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's jump into the book. Uh, I just want to know first, there is the like the first or second chapter. The history of customer experience. Tell us the great history of customer experience. Well, you know, it was funny because I started to think about it, Shep, and I was like, you know, well, geez, where did the words come from and, and where might it have start might have started? And so I just got curious and went back and, and did some research in history, uh, history research. And um, you know, it really brought me back to a trip my family and I went on to Pompeii. And I thought about um, all of the vendors because they were talking about these fish vendors, these soup vendors that would be at the corners. And actually the pottery and their containers are still there intact. It's incredible. And so I started to think like, imagine this, Chef. There's a small community. People aren't flying in from all over the world. They're, um, they live there. They live in Pompeii. So if you have a bad experience with with somebody that makes soup, you're not going to ever have to go back there. And they're going to probably be out of business pretty quickly because the population is, was relatively small. So they had to have great customer experience. So I thought to myself, look, at that could have been the beginnings 2000 years ago, could have been the beginnings of where trade and marketplace and, and customer experience could start. Now, fast forward 2000 years, Lou Carbone in 1994 wrote an article and actually coined the phrase customer experience. Um, so it's it's really quite recent. If you think about it, it's astonishing. We couldn't figure it out until 1994. But that's the history of of customer experience. Wow. Crazy. I uh, somewhere in London, uh, I believe it's in London, is a museum that has a big rock and on the rock is carved in the first customer complaint letter of all time. <laughs> I was I was looking around. I don't know if you saw. I was looking around because I wrote uh, an article about this, and actually, it was part of a forward of a book that I wrote for someone else that had the the little bit of the history. Uh, so, service has been going on for a long time. Experience has been going on for a long time, and uh, for, for not just decades. And and the words customer experience and and I I know Lou Carbone is a genius. And he is all about marketing and design. And he recognized that I believe experience was much more than what the first person that I heard use the word experience was before that. But they didn't use it in the same way. They used it as a sexier way to describe service. But yeah. service is an is a important part, but it's just a part of the experience. And Lou is smart enough to recognize uh, and and other uh, companies and and high level CEOs, famous people like Jeff Bezos, recognize the experience is everything, not just the service, which is part of it, or the uh, the support. All right, let's jump into the book. You know what I want to do? I want to take a short break, and when we come back, S E D U C E, which I believe stands for Step Up, Employ, Design, Uncover, Connect, and Expect. I want you to give us a very brief synopsis on each one of those because that's what uh, the acronym SEDUCE is all about. And I also, you mentioned friction. 
I want to dive into that one a little bit deeper because as you know, I wrote a book, The Convenience Revolution, which yep. is all about eliminating friction. Obviously, great minds think alike. You and I are tracking the same way. So when we come back, we're going to talk about that and much more. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, we are talking with John Bacuzzi Jr., the author of The Art of Seducing Your Customers. Don't go away. We're coming right back. One of my favorite sayings is that customer service isn't a department. It's a philosophy. And it's a philosophy that must be embraced by everyone in the organization all the time, and that's 24-7. So if customer service is important to you, and I know it is, then you will love our virtual training, the ultimate on-demand customer service and experience training program that you can access anytime, anywhere. Now the course content applies to everyone, regardless of position and responsibility, from senior executives to the most recently hired and everyone in between. You'll discover tips, ideas, and strategies that won't cost your company a fortune, but will produce what I call moments of magic, those positive experiences, and it will happen at every level of your organization. So go to Customer Service VT. That's V as in virtual, T as in training. That's CustomerServiceVT.com. It's time to get customer focused. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We are back on Amazing Business Radio talking with John Bacuzzi Jr., who is the author of The Art of Seducing Your Customers, available everywhere, especially Amazon. So, John, uh, S-E-D-U-C-E, uh, I, I kind of hinted what it was about, but let's take each one of those and break them down so that the audience knows what to expect when they buy this book. Yeah, thanks, Shep. So look at the whole concept here is the first step in the seduce framework is, you know, step up and pay attention. And what I mean by that is, and you mentioned Be Bezos and, and Amazon, you know, think about Sears Roebuck, right? There was 3,200 locations 23 years ago, and now there's 22 locations and Amazon runs the world. They had the first Amazon with their catalog. We all got it at Christmas. We remember it. I love so that catalog. Hours and hours of enjoyment looking through all the things I wanted. That's right. You circle them for Christmas. So so just think about stepping up and paying attention, meaning what is your competition and or the market? Because it may not necessarily be your competition today. Remember, Amazon was selling books online, you know, and then they sold everything online. So it's paying attention to what's happening in the marketplace is, the, is kind of the first component. The, the next phase is really about the employee and the employee and the, and the employer and that experience of the employee. If you've got employees that aren't, you know, you're not delivering an exceptional employee experience, that's going to translate into less exciting experiences with customers. So the idea here is how are you creating great employee experiences? Because that's going to translate into great customer experiences. And each one of these is a chapter where there's stories and examples and thoughts and, and ideas about what you might want to do. Um, design is the D in seduce. And really it's about designing experiences, not only for retention, but acquisition, right? So just thinking about how are you creating experiences like the one that you had at Warby Parker or like the one I had with Ruth at 1010 Optics, but how are we creating experiences that are designed for retaining our clients long-term and also acquiring? Cause you can't do, you can't do just one. You need kind of a combination. Um, the uncover the you is really a piece and we could talk about it more because it's, it's a chapter you're passionate about. You wrote a whole book on it. I just wrote a chapter on it, 
but it's this idea of being a friction hunter and uncovering friction. Um, and that's super critical when you think about kind of experiences, especially with technology today. And then connect the dots between the intention and your expectations, right? So you may have had this intention of doing something um, from an experiential perspective, but is it translating at market? Are your customers or even, frankly, your employees, is it translating to them correctly? So you've got to keep an eye on that. So you may have good intentions coming out, but you've got to be careful that you connect that dot to what the expectation that meets it, right? Um, and then the, the final piece um, is really thinking about the future, right? So look, at, we have to expect the E, you have to expect competition and technology, and they're going to continually change the market, right? Think about the yellow cab that was, you know, a million, $1.2 million to buy a medallion. And today there's Uber, you know? And what are those medallions worth? About 200,000 right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So depending on where you are, that was one of the big things I remember, the medallions losing their value. And boy, I love I love your framework for this. And as I and I look at that last one, E, if there's ever been a time to expect technology to potentially change and in some cases disrupt you, now is the time to take a look at it. Uh, who would have thought? And and I go back and talk about convenience that companies like Uber and Lyft and anyone else in that world they disrupted the entire public transportation industry as far as, you know, taxi cab, like who would have thought that, that taxis would ever have competition other than other taxi companies, but isn't that what Lyft and Uber are, but they just took the technology that was available and made it a different type of product and experience. Well, yeah. And, and they took it like, again, as you think about your business, it's taking and unfolding it a, a level back because all Uber did is they said, wait a minute, there are people going from A to B, and there are people that wish they could go from A to B. What if we brought those two people together? And, and that's the same thing. Think about Netflix and Blockbuster, right? I mean, for those that remember Blockbuster, our last, actually, our last sign of the last Blockbuster in the state of Connecticut, the sign was taken down just four months ago. Wow. And, and, and by the way, the last the last blockbuster, I believe, was in Hawaii. Right. Is that right? Yeah, I think it's a, it's in Washington. It might be in Washington State. It yeah. actually might be in Washington State. It was but yeah, far away. But it, it, it's amazing. Yeah. They missed the opportunity. And, you know, they, yeah. <laughs> they could have bought Netflix. <laughs> well, they could have bought Netflix. But listen, you know, Chef, Netflix almost got cannibalized overnight through you know, um, being able to to be able to transmit video uh, through the wire directly, right? Think about this. So the digital transfer, the idea of 5G and being able to get a, a movie, um, you know, run through wires right to your home, no, you know, nothing through the mail. They almost disrupted, they almost got disrupted themselves, right? Think right. about that. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing, who would have thought, wow, Netflix, who's the competitor of that? Well, how about, uh, Disney and with ESPN and how about uh, Prime, Amazon Prime, and then Hulu and Peacock and all of these other streaming services, just as Amazon was so dominant in their retail world. Now today they, they look at Target and Walmart and many other large online retailers that directly compete with Amazon for the business. And you would have thought, gosh, nobody could ever compete with them. And what happened is Amazon came in, they found a technology that worked really well. They created this incredible experience that it took a long time for anybody to catch up to and match. Yeah, that's right. And st that streaming 
is all about that technology and taking the friction out. So, yep. you know, Netflix took the friction out of having to drive out in the snow to get your movie because it came in the mail. But streaming took it from one step further and said, don't even worry about going out to your mailbox. Right. You know, so it's just I think technology, to your point, that expect technology and competition is a critical component and it ties back into the friction. Yep. So let's talk about that for a couple of minutes. Uh, I love this topic, eliminating friction. And you refer to it as the friction hunter. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this came about even through some of the stuff I do today with technology firms is, you know, when they when they try to talk to us about the tech that they want to bring to the market at, at Carnival or Marriott or Procter & Gamble, one of the things that we challenge them with is, well, talk to me about the friction that you're removing from the process, right? So it could be a manufacturing process. It could be a customer experience process. But this idea of, you know, um, and GoDaddy is a great example of where they've just removed so much of the friction to make it easy to get get quick support on their uh, with their team. Um, and that's important because as consumers, we have less and less patience for friction. Before, it was what it was, right? There was one soup person in Pompeii. And you either ate that soup or you didn't. There was tons of friction and blah, blah, blah. But today, people are like, no, I've got 500 places I can get soup from. If that's not a good experience in getting it, I'll go somewhere else. Not a problem. Yeah. And in the B2B world, the stakes are higher because there aren't 500. There might only be five places to buy the soup if you're in that B2B space. And guess what? You know, I have a client that's in the uh, large machine equipment manufacturing industry their real money isn't made when they sell a piece of equipment to a company, which by the way is millions and millions of dollars. And it's replaced about once every 12 years or so. So they are looking at the maintenance contracts year after year renewal of that contract. And they know that if they don't do a good job, when it comes time to update the machine with something new, they it's, it's like judgment day. Did they do well enough to earn the business for the next 10 to 12 years? Because if they didn't, they miss it, and it was referred to as a generational mistake, meaning it's a whole generation of purchasing agents or buyers that are going to be uh, uh, that are now going to have to work with them 10, 12 years from now, who you don't even know yet. And yeah. so uh, it's a big deal. The, everything you're talking about, it's so important. So uh, anything else in the world of friction that you want to add? I know you've got great stories in there. It's really yeah, fascinating. Yeah, yeah, they're fun stories. So look, if you get the book, you'll you'll definitely enjoy reading some of the fun stories in there related to the friction. But I think if you had to think about an important area for your business is really assessing, you know, the onboarding of an employee. I'll give you a, a really interesting uh, facts and figures is I don't remember the exact percentage, but it's a double digit number. Employees that will leave their job the first day they onboard because the tech is not acceptable. Wow. Okay. So I know a lot of employees leave within the first few weeks, but you're saying the first day because the technology is especially probably for the IT department, they go, what did I get myself into? You yeah. know, this is, this is, uh, you know, uh, medieval age stuff. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's so, so that's the kind of stuff. So it's not just the in customer friction. It's also the unemployed friction. So it's, it's everywhere. And, and friction has a half-life. It's never 100% friction-free, right? There's always friction. The key is, just like radiation, is you want to constantly get it to be smaller and smaller and smaller. Right. It's never going to necessarily go away. There'll always be some friction. 
but it's it's getting it halved each time, making it a little bit better, right? Yeah. And I'll give you my example of this, and it's in the book, The Convenience Revolution. Uber uh, was probably the first to market with the kind of technology they're using. And it used to be when I needed to take a taxi from okay. my home to the airport, I would call the night before, set up the time, or call that morning and say, how long is it going to be? 20 minutes. I had no idea if it was really going to show up or not on time. Okay. They said 20 minutes. Was it really going to be 20 minutes? I get in, the driver says, where are you going? And I tell them, and then the driver puts down the meter. And when I get there, I don't know how much it's going to be, but when I get there, I have to pull out my wallet, pay for it. And then I, I walk away. And what, what Uber did is they eliminated number one, you go on your phone, you can see where all the drivers are. You know how far away they are. They tell you how long it's going to be before they get there. And now you can book ahead of time. Uh, they tell you how much it's going to cost. You've already got your payment system in there. So once it's set up, it's set it and forget it. And so you just get out of the car and it's done. And by the way, the driver knows where you're going. So if you don't even want to talk to the driver and tell them where you're going, it doesn't matter. They know where you're going. The only piece of friction they didn't eliminate to your point is the actual ride. And until yeah. we get to, <laughs> until we get to a point where Star Trek beam me up, Scotty, or whatever it is, you know, yeah. where we can beam ourselves over without having to get into a car, that piece of friction will always be there. <laughs> That's right. That's a good point. I love that. There's still going to be traffic and all the other fun things, but but they got a lot of it solved. Right. They really Great did. Story. All right. We're running out of time, and you know, I always love to end with the one thing question, and the one thing I want to ask you about today is one last nugget of wisdom that comes from your book, The Art of Seducing Your Customers. Thanks, Shep. Yeah, look, it, uh, there's lots of good tidbits in the book, but if I had to share something that you can do, whether you read the book or not, is is as executives at your firm, regardless if you work at UPS or Procter & Gamble or Marriott or Carnival or even a small retail store, is go and live the customer and employee experience yourself at your own firm and your competition and find those friction areas or those areas. Because sometimes we get stuck on the idea of cost optimization and cost savings and all these things. But we may be, it may be at the sacrifice of experience. So every six months or a year, as an executive or as somebody in the firm that cares, go and actually run the experience yourself. And I bet you're going to be surprised on what you find. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. So in a sense, you're playing undercover boss. Yes. Yeah. Another thing just to add to that is maybe head down to the customer support world or sit next to somebody that handles calls from customers and listen in or actually take some of the calls yourself, which would be a very powerful way of hearing firsthand from the customer exactly what they're experiencing. I love that. That's good. I remember doing the edible arrangements. I ran the customer care center there for three years. And at Valentine's Day and Mother's Day, I was in the call center taking the calls. I but was edible arrangements at the meeting that we were at? I believe they might they have been. They were not. Is it but Taru, I, I, um, uh, Tar, what's it's uh, is his name Taru the uh, yeah, CEO? Farid, yep. Tar, yeah, for what a great guy. What a great guy and what a great company he's built. You know, John, you and I can speak and talk to each other for hours and hours, and we'll probably do that as soon as the show is finished. But for right now, we have to wrap it up. John, I want to thank you for being on the show. It's been great. This is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. Yeah, thanks so much. And thanks for being amazing. Well, thank you. And remember, everybody, the book title, if you haven't remembered it already, is The Art of Seducing Your Customers. Go to Amazon, buy it today. Thanks for listening. We will be back next week with another amazing interview. Until that time, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.